0: If she can do it, you can do it. There's a lot of truth being dispelled this morning. It's a good morning to be at Spring House. God is good. This is the day that the Lord has made and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. I'm glad to see you today. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you so much for joining us on this very uh, very special day. Man, what a rich morning, amen? Been a rich morning, not because of anything we've done, but because he is God and he's on the throne, yeah? Uh, just real quick, we have a Thursday night gathering that happens at 6.30, Ordinary Men, Extraordinary God. And let me tell you something, you need to go back and watch last Thursday because how Laughlin spoke, and uh, it was great, and you need to go back and see that on the on the website. This Thursday, Will Severe is going to be presenting, so come and be a, a, a part of that. And uh, I also want to add to this children's ministry uh, thing. You know, if you're here in the gathering and you're thinking, "Well, if I go serve, I won't get to catch the the, the gathering and the time together." We've got a 6 p.m. gathering on Sunday nights. That's a repeat. Okay, so you can come and be a part of that and hear the message and, uh, and not miss out in that way uh, either. Okay, so today we're going to continue our series, Healthy Church. Are you ready for it? We're going to uh, have Pastor Justin come and bring us the word. Welcome, Justin Bashirs. Thank
1: you, brother. All right. All right, raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. We're a kid's ministry. They get, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Jeez, thank you, Jonathan. Pastor Jonathan, is that how we do it? let put this here. There was a time when I had walk-on music. Do y'all know that? Should we bring that back? Nope. I heard Pastor Kevin say, nope. So guess what? There will never ever be any walk-on music ever again. Good morning. This thing's wobbly. Might know a guy that can fix it, but it's not me. Anyways, it's a great day. We are continuing on in our series this week, Healthy Church. Last week, Pastor Kevin brought a powerful word. Um, he even shared some about the vision of Springhouse. Love big, live truth, healthy family, right? Love big, live truth, healthy. It's kind of like everywhere. Like you look around, like, I guess that's kind of like our motto, I guess. But if you say it long enough you'll start to believe it a little bit, right? You right or if you say it then people are going to start to hear it. Right? Yesterday I'm going yesterday I'm going to uh, I'm getting my car washed finally for the first time in 19 months. And I'm, uh, and I'm low on, t- my, I got low tire pressure, and I didn't want to put the black magic on there because you, you might not get all of it if it was, anyways. So I was, I was like, no, well, let's go over to, to uh, Tire World and put some air in. And he goes, Tire World, we keep your family rolling. There was like three or four of y'all did that, right? <laughs> right? It's the same concept. So what we're trying to do here. Love big, live truth, healthy family. We just don't have a cool cadence to it, right? But you say it enough, you'll believe it. Kind of like when me and Jess met. I told myself, don't be dumb, don't be dumb, don't be dumb. (laughs) Still ended up being super dumb, (laughs) super dumb. Real quick, we met at karate class, okay? And I had this plan in my head, I'm gonna ask her out, right? I'm gonna gonna invite her to church. She's gonna say, we don't have a church. I'm gonna be like, you should come to church with me. Boom, then we'll go on a picnic, then we'll go on our honeymoon, like it'll be fantastic, right? (laughs) That's not how it went. Whole time karate because I'm like, don't be dumb, don't be dumb, don't be dumb. And then she bolts, leaves out of there, and I track her down in the hallway, come run down, ma'am, Miss Fox, Miss Fox, hey, wait a minute. Uh, hey, just wanted to know, do you take the kids to church anywhere? She was like, yeah. And I was completely done at that point. <laughs> There was no plan B. There was nothing, nothing. All I had was she was going to say no, and she said yes, and I went completely dumb. I was like, well, my church is like, it's cool and stuff. Like, we do, <laughs> we do plays. We got Annie going on, and like, you know, I was going to invite you to church, but you got a church. That's great, and the kids are confused. They're like, are we going to church? I don't know. She was like, shut up. We got to go. Bye. Whole time. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. But I said all I had to say this. Keep telling yourself, love big, live truth, healthy family. And when you need it, it'll come back to you, okay? Maybe. You might be like me and still do dumb stuff, okay? So over the next few weeks, we're gonna journey through the book of Titus, and hopefully we're gonna learn how to practically apply this love big, live truth, healthy family, right? It's a great concept, but we're gonna look at how we're gonna apply this, okay? Fun fact, some of you may or may not know, I'm kind of an introvert, just a little bit, okay? Uh this is new for me, being out here on stage, okay? Uh, but believe it or not, I, my heart beats about 1,000 miles per hour before I come out here, okay? Because I'm responsible to tell you about the Bible and how it can change your life. And you're going to go out here and do something and be like, well, Pastor Justin told me this. And I'm like, that's not what I told you. So this is a heavy responsibility up here, Okay? We're going to focus on two two primary verses. We're going to walk through chapter one today, but we're going to focus on two primary verses for today. So if you will, please stand with me. We're going to read the word of God together. This is Titus chapter one, verse nine and 16. Okay, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And verse 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that there is power in your word, that you have given us your word. You have revealed yourself to us. You have laid out what a healthy church looks like. And so today, God, as as we unpack this, I pray that you would be glorified, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. I pray the Holy Ghost that you would empower me and anoint me to speak clearly and plainly, and that you would uh, clean up any of my mess ups. Uh, that you would share what you have for your people, that we may go and impact our communities and our families families. families with your word. Father, we love you and we thank you, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a background. Anytime we begin a a new study of a Bible book or a letter or a scroll, depending on what section of the Bible you're in, uh, it is. uh, I try to go back and I look at the setup so I'm not lost, right? You ever walked in mid-movie and have no clue what's going on? right? That's what happens when you just flip and read. You're like, I don't even know what's going on right now. So let me give you a little bit of a background on the book of Titus, okay? So the setting for this book is in the Isle of Crete. It's a little bitty island. It's the fifth largest island in the Mediterranean, and it's actually part of modern-day Greece, okay? Paul stopped here a couple of times over the years on his journeys, and if you want to see where him and Titus stopped off, you can look back at Acts chapter 27, Okay, that's his shipwreck story, but that's when you see in the Bible narrative they visited the island of Crete, okay? Cretans have a little bit of a reputation, okay? Kind of like New Yorkers. If you wanna know what the Cretans were like, think about New Yorkers. Not all New Yorkers, if you're from New York. uh, Kevin, you're not from New York, from Baltimore. Okay, let's change this up. Cretans are kind of like Baltimore (laughs) citizens, okay? (laughs) If you've ever been to Baltimore, not all people in Baltimore, but it's got a little bit of a reputation. Am I right? Okay, Akron. I mean, there's some spots around the country that you know, hey, man, probably don't want to go down there for dinner. Probably just might want to do lunch or maybe a little food truck on the outskirts. Okay, Creek was kind of like that. And, they, and Paul goes on to show you in this book that they had a little bit of a reputation, okay? So Paul has left Titus in Crete. Drop them off. Drop them off, okay? And the reason why is because there's many believers, but there's not any churches, okay? Earlier this year, Pastor Kevin led us in a series uh, about the, and and we talked about what to do with the unexpected, right? That red ball. Does anybody still have their red ball? You know what I'm talking about? If you weren't here, right, that, uh, that kind of give you a cliff note version, life is full of unexpected moments. And if we don't have capacity If we don't have the capacity, how are we going to handle those unexpected moments that come our way? You want to talk about an unexpected moment? Paul and Titus are on a trip together, and all of a sudden, Paul's like, hey, man, I know we came here together, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to drop you off by yourself And you can raise up churches on the entire island, all five boroughs in New York. But it's cool. Just wait. I'll send you an email. I'll write you a letter, give you instructions. Until then, just wing it. Just wing it. That's literally what happened. Drop them off on the island. was like, you're going to raise up churches, okay? So Paul's writing this letter. He's writing the book of Titus, the, the letter to Titus. Uh, It's instruction to help him establish the church, and he lays out parameters for how to do so. Paul, he makes it plain to Titus, this is how you're gonna do this. So if you could put verse one through three up there. This is Paul's introduction, okay? Paul's got a lengthy intro, right? Uh, But it it reveals to us where he's operating from. So it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. Paul starts off the letter by saying, I am a servant of God. Uh, If you got a King James, I believe it says bond servant. Says bond servant Bob. Sentence the only one I know that carried a King James in here today. So he'll fact check that. Catch him outside, and you know if I'm right. Okay. But that's an important thing. That's an important thing because a bond servant is different than just a regular servant. And here's why: a bond servant has either um, done his his. Uh, I hate to say, I hesitate to say, done his time. You know what I mean? But a lot of a lot of servants were indentured servants or family servants, and a bond servant is one who is already fulfilled all of his requirements and has chosen to stay on. Now, the day you get released, right, it'd be like saying, hey, you get out of jail today, and you're like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna stay. Just gonna stay. It's not the same thing, but it's that same concept. A bond servant could only make this decision once. You can't change your mind six months down the road and be like, actually, I want to go home. Like, no, you committed to this, And why is that important? Because Paul identifies as a bondservant of Christ. He said, I have chosen, I have made a decision, and because of the decision I've made, I cannot go back. I literally cannot go back. Even if I wanted to, I cannot go back. I have burned the white flag. There is no surrender. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward, okay? And so we're gonna see through this book, that what Paul does is dictated by who he is. He lets you know very early in the book, I'm a servant of Christ. Therefore, everything I tell you, everything that we operate from flows back to this. And then we see, flip my old school notes here. Then we see Paul reminds Titus of who he is and whose he is in verse 4. He says to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. He reminds Titus at the very beginning of the book, he said, Hey, here's who I am and here's who you are. Some of us just need to be reminded of who we are. You don't need new information, you need to be reminded of what you already know. So many times we come in here on Sunday and I'm looking for something fresh, I'm looking for something new, I'm looking for something hip. This is an ancient book. What am I, in my 10 years of learning, what am I gonna present to you that's just gonna be transcendent and mind-blowing? Probably nothing. Thank you, Pastor Allen, that I have nothing new to give you. (laughs) Thank you, right, right? Say this, sometimes you need to be reminded of what you already know. You just need to be reminded, okay, when Noah acts a fool, I remind him we don't act a fool in this house. When I act a fool, Pastor Kevin reminds me we don't act a fool in this house. But you ask how often, I'll cut somebody if I got to. Okay? There you go. Now you now some of you are lost. You don't know. Go back and listen to Thursday. Okay? Okay? It's all connected, man. You see how God just weaves and intertwines things, man. It's all scientific. <laughs> Nobody got, one person got that Joe Dirt reference anyway. um, But then he also, so he reminds Titus, he says, this is who I am. This is where I'm operating from. Hey, man, and this is who you are. You need to be reminded of who you are first and foremost before I get into the instruction. And then he reminds Titus of the mission. Look at verse five. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. This is why so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I have directed you. He reminds him, they got a whole bunch of believers in this, on this island, but there's not any structure. There's no churches, right? And so I'm leaving you here and I'm giving you instruction so that you can create churches across the island, Okay. The mission was to raise up elders from among the people based on certain criteria. Elders and leaders, this is not a foreign concept because many um, villages and tribes throughout history have had elders, and the elders in their communities or their villages were people of good, upstanding moral character, people that had walked down the road a little bit further that they could teach the community how to act and how to live and how to function. Right? Because the young bucks, they may be all excited to have all the energy, but we got some real dumb plans. Right? Oh, I don't know why I'm telling this. Okay? And, and there's, there's all this grass, there's all these cows, and the young bull's like, hey man, let's just run down there and take all of it. Let's just get the, let's get the grass. No, let, let's take one of them. Let's just take one. Let's go. Right? Let's run down there and do this. And the old bull says, how about we walk down there and take all of it? How about we walk down there and take all of... There's wisdom that us young bulls need that we don't have without elders. And for some of you under 20, I am that elder. So <laughs> I can play both sides. What do you want to do? What do you want to do this morning? Okay. This is not, this is not nothing new. So when Paul tells Titus, hey, we got to raise up elders, this wasn't a foreign concept to him, and it wasn't a foreign concept to the people on the island either, okay? So why shouldn't the church follow suit? Then he gives them some qualifications, right, for eldership. You see that in verse six through nine. This is what he says. If anyone is above reproach, The husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Paul gives us a framework for what the eldership should look like on the island. And if you look closely, every one of these is operating in the fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I used to tell myself, he put that at the very end because he knew it was gonna take the longest to get to. Think you got it, Master? Get stuck in that line at Walmart. Well, patience gonna be tested. Love gonna be tested, gentleness gonna be tested when you get there. And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's stuck right now. We need more paper. All self-control went out of that window. But if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it is all boils down to love. It's love being patient. It's love being kind. It's love under control, right? Jesus' humility wasn't that he let people walk all over him. It's that he knew he had what it takes and chose, and chose not to act based on his power, My son, he fortunately, he ain't been punched in the mouth yet. I think everybody needs to be punched in the mouth a couple times in their life, okay? (laughs) Just me, that's not the stance of Springhouse, it's a personal opinion, (laughs) It's the way I feel, okay? So don't go, baby, talking about love, big, live, true, healthy family, right? But how many of you got brothers, and you got sideways with your brother, and he punched you in the mouth, and you thought about getting less sideways the next time, right? (laughs) We wouldn't have as much cyberbullying if you actually said that to somebody's face, and they... No, I'm not promoting violence. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm still in progress, guys. We're working towards healthy Kevin's like, move it along, move it along, move it along, move it along. <laughs> no, but what I told, what I'm saying is like Noah's never been punched in the face, okay? But right, I, I battle between if you ever get hit, hit back, right? Punch back because he needs to know he has what it takes. And sometimes when you just get beat down, you don't know that you got what it takes. Okay, and operating in the spirit, you have to know you've got what it takes. Paul had to know he had what it takes in order to say, you know what? You can whip me, you can stone me, you can say whatever you want about me, but I know who I am. It don't matter what you think. I'm gonna operate this way. I'm gonna love on people. I'm gonna be kind, okay? I'm gonna do these things. That's, that's what I was trying to say. That's what I'm trying to get. There's an email coming, which I don't know about. It's coming, okay? But why, but why does Paul say, right? You would think, you would think when Paul's like, Hey, raise up elders. And he was like, Hey, man, people that read their Bible. I want people that pray. I want people that, you know, do good works in the community. Every one of these that he listed is their behavior. Why would Paul list behavior as the criteria for leadership? Why? You go back to the beginning of the book because Paul said, everything I'm going to do is going to flow from who I am. Your behavior follows your belief 100% of the time. Think about it. Whichever way you walk, it's dictated by what you believe. In Christ, what we do flows from who we are. In the world, who you are is defined by what you do. Think I'm playing, meet somebody new. Use the first question hey, what do you do? I'm half tempted to lie, but I pick up trash for a living just to see the response. But I don't, of course, because my pastor can't lie anymore, right? Because it used to be like, oh, I'm CEO of like five-figure, six-figure firm, you know? Five figures? I make tens of dollars, okay? Jody, Jody, don't pick up on that. You're supposed to let people just be like, wow, five figures. That's like, that's up to $99,000, right? You might not think that's a lot. Go ask, go ask any kid in that kids ministry if you want 90. They'll think you're the richest person, wealthiest man on the island. All the Cretans know I got $99,000, Okay? But Paul gives this framework because he knows, he knows, he knows the gospel does not take root until it changes us. The gospel does not take root until it changes us. And for the church to grow, it needs people to look up to or to follow. And I told you that the Cretans had a reputation, kind of like some people from Baltimore, and some people from New York, or Antioch, Tennessee or Syria, either one. Okay. I take that back. I've never been to Syria, but I know I've been to Antioch a couple times, okay? Look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. The Cretans had a reputation. This is what, and this is a prophet. This is one of their own people talking about him in verse 12. This is what he says, okay? One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars. Always liars. Evil beasts. Lazy gluttons. And then Paul says in verse 13, the beginning, this testimony is true. (laughs) He said, y'all said it. I'm just agreeing with you. Y'all act a fool everywhere you go. Right? The standards that Paul lays out are in complete contrast with the way that they live in this society. But he knows that the gospel has the power to change people. It has the power to change you. If I can change. Okay, not to go all Rocky Balboa on you guys, but if I can change, you can change. <laughs> Think about it. Does anybody know me? Did, my mom will tell you about BC, and some of you heard some of the stories. Y'all heard a couple of testimonies over the years. If I can change, you can change, okay? Timothy Keller talks about um, our hearts being like, being like wax. And the reference that he gives is a, um, in the ancient days, the way they would, uh, a king would issue a stamp or a seal or a decree. He would have a signet ring that had his, his symbol on it, his imprint, and he would press it into melted wax. But if the wax was not melted, it would break it. It would break it to the degree that our hearts are melted by the gospel will be the degree that the imprint of Christ will be on our lives. If our hearts are cold to the word, if we're cold to other people's needs, if we see a need and we're cold to it, now I know you can't give a dollar to everybody on the off ramp. it's not what I'm saying. But if our hearts are callous to it, then the imprint of Christ will break us. It will crush us. But if our hearts are melted to the gospel, then his imprint will go deep and it will be lasting. It will be lasting. Has the gospel changed you? Has the gospel changed you? Are you still bitter? Why am I still angry about something that happened five years ago? The gospel has changed me. I had a little interaction with uh, somebody in our amazing cafe staff out there. If you ain't stopped by the cafe, you need to stop by not after service, before service. Um, and I'm having a conversation, and I, I like to give movie references and just see if anybody picks up on it. Like, I'll just slide them into casual conversation. And this one was a movie you probably can't watch if you've been saved longer than 30 minutes, but for some reason, once it gets in here, I can't get it out. So I made just part of the reference, and she finished it, and I was like, supposed to be changed up here. <laughs> I ain't going to say the person's name. There's only two girls. You can figure it out, which one, okay? Yeah, you can figure out which one it was. But, but the gospel has changed you. There are things you can't do now that you used to do. There are shows you can't watch anymore. There are songs you can't listen to. There's places you can't go. And some of us keep going to the barbershop expecting not to get a haircut. <laughs> Hanging out, talking about, I'm good. I'm not going to get a haircut. I'm not going to get a haircut. What we keep hanging out in the barbershop, the gospel has the power to change you. And the way people will know is because you don't act the same way you used to act. You don't talk the way you used to talk. And Paul knows this. That's why he said, the elders, this is what you look for. You look for people who act right, who live right, because everybody else ain't acting right. He knows that for the church to grow and thrive, it must have solid leaders. And you'll know by how they live. Verse nine is the key. Verse nine is the key. What does he say? He says, he says in verse nine, it's tiny print. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. He says, this is the key. They can provide sound teaching They can encourage the body, and they can correct when needed. That's one of the biggest ones, okay? Because we don't like to be told we're doing something wrong. Be real. How many of you walk around with a chip on your shoulder? Me? Somebody tell you, hey, man, you did that all wrong. Handled that wrong. But we got blind spots, and I need you to help me when I get off the rails. No correction seems pleasant at the time. Isn't that what the Word says? But if you look back at it, you can be grateful for those times somebody cared enough about you to help you course correct. I had a relapse in 2015, relapse back to prescription pills, and had so many people that was around me that knew I was acting a fool, and nobody said nothing. Nobody said nothing. They knew I was wrong. And so after that moment in time where God reached down and picked me up again and dusted me off, I was like, come on, we got a wedding to go to. I determined I'm gonna be the friend I need regardless if I ever get that back in return. I'm gonna be that guy. Now, help me God, because I tend to be a little bit abrasive in my approach. (laughs) You can ask James Jensen, I'm kind of like 80 grit sandpaper tonight, but I'm just trying to help knock those rough edges off of you guys, Okay. Right? David didn't go get those jagged stones. What well, did he get? The smooth ones. I'm here to help you become a smooth stone. <laughs> in the Lord's hand to be used to hit your mark. Smooth stones fly, and you need 80 grit. You also need 220 and 400. You need somebody that can be a polishing stone. I'm not the polishing stone in your life. Okay? But I will help you get where you need to be when you're acting a fool. And you'll help me. And you'll help me. That's the thing. The appointment of elders on the island of crete it has got to be. I know it's got to be the same way it happens here at Springhouse. You know, we don't just make elders. We don't just go, ah, "Dave, you look—you look good." Here, we're going to teach you how to be an elder. That's not how it happens here. It's not how it happens here, right? Pastor Ronnie's even said from the platform, "We don't make elders." We recognize what God has already done. We see them walking this way. We see their life, and we just call out what God has already done. And so he gives Titus this very simple, you ain't even got to do nothing, just, open, just observe. Just step back and watch how they live, how they operate within their family, how they love their wives, how they treat their kids, how they act when nobody's watching, how they act at Little League baseball games. That's where I'm going, and you can fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank, but it's got to be a sporting event, okay? You can be in your living room, CBS, watching the Titans play. Best believe I'm back watching. Is this guy an elder or not? Is he an elder or not? <laughs> nope. Heard that one. Heard that one. Cretans are always liars and gluttons. And... Right? But here's another thing. Here's another point I want to make. The call to leadership is often unexpected. It's almost always unexpected. No, nobody in here that's in any position of leadership, whether it's in the workforce or in the house, you just walked in and was like, I'm probably gonna be a leader here in about at least six months, okay? Okay? It usually don't happen like that. And most of the time, correct me if I'm wrong, when somebody says, hey, brother, you got some great leadership qualities. We wanna raise you up. We wanna, we wanna put you in a, a position of authority or we wanna, we wanna give you a promotion. We wanna put you in, at least for me, there's a part of me that goes, are you sure you got the right guy? Right? And they're like, we see your life based on Titus 1, and, we, and we, we see how you walk, but then here's what gets us. We know our own hearts. We know the thoughts we think. We know some of the dumb stuff we say under our breath. I was reminded the other day, my son takes after me in that regard. Ask me who reminded me. I'll wait. It was my wife, just so you didn't know, okay? Got a text message. Your son mumbles under his breath when he don't get his way. Wonder where he got that from, and I was like. Is he insubordinate? I'm going to get stepped down today. If he don't act right, they're going to ask me to step down. Without leadership, there's no one to model the Christian walk. There's nobody to model the Christian walk. Leaders are not exempt. Ain't nobody arrived. How many when I When I walked out, you're like, no, that guy's got it going on. Okay, (laughs) That guy, you know what? He's got it together. Don't be laughing like that. At least one person. Pastor Sherry, can you affirm me in this moment right now? Thank you, thank you. You know what? I picked these out. My wife didn't pick these out. I picked these out. Leaders are not exempt from temptation. They're not, they've not arrived. You know what they do? They know who they are and they live from it. They know when they mess up and they're quick to repent. You'll know a leader when he's like, you know what? I, I got it wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Forgive me, and I'll grab it and I'll learn from it and I'll move forward, right? Leaders walk it out. Leaders walk it out. But And this is why we cannot just rely on peer-to-peer relationships. We've got to stop just looking left and right and seeing who can I relate to in this moment? Who can I glean from that's in exactly the exact same situation as me? I don't need somebody that knows the struggle unless I'm just trying to feel better about my struggle. I need somebody that's on the other side of that. I need somebody further down the road. I need an elder in this house. I need somebody with some a little bit more gray in their beard. The Bible says gray hair is a glorious crown. How many of you guys know how many young people that should have lived a long life? They went, he went before his time. And you see a lot of elders in the body or in our community or in our workplace, and yet we don't want to go to them for wisdom until we're in a situation. But God appointed elders in the body and in the church so that we can be preemptive, so we can have people who model a Christian walk, so people we can look to, people we can glean from, We've got to get out of this just doing peer-to-peer relationships. We have to glean from our elders. Women do this better than men, but none of us really do this, really do this. Paul closes the chapter by telling Titus to correct people when the walk don't match the talk. Don't like it. Tried to skip right into chapter two. And then I came across these three verses like, hey, that'll be fun. Let's look at verse 13 through 16. This testimony is true, referring to the Cretans. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Rebuke them sharply so they may be sound in the faith. Correction will strengthen your faith. Did you hear that? that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who will turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. This is dangerous territory. Dangerous territory. When you feel like it's your job to start correcting everybody, Pastor Kevin said last week, it's not your job to go around convicting everybody of their sin. It's your job to love on people. But we also got to understand when we walk in the spirit, right? When we walk in the spirit and we understand that what we do is flowing out of who we are, then you understand the way in which to bring correction, You understand that you can't not say something. By not saying something, you're not loving that person. By not saying something. And we live in a culture, a society, that everybody's offended by everything. Everything. I'm offended right now. I don't know why, but I'll figure it out. And I'll email three or four of you. It really bothered me today. Like It's like two of my jokes and like... You know, Pastor Sherry didn't compliment me on my shirt, just in my pants. And... <laughs> no, but think about this. Look at our culture and our society that we live in. There's a spirit of offense that has attached itself to this nation. I would even, I would even say, uh, and I hadn't been too far outside of the confines of the mid-South, but I would venture to say that it's attached itself globally, that we're all easily offended. You are responsible for your own emotions, ladies and gentlemen. You are responsible for you. And although I understand there are some people that say things that are offensive, right? I get that. I'm not saying, well, offense is a choice and you need to deal with it. Learn to be you know, tougher. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there are going to be offensive people that don't have a clue they're being offensive, right? And there are ways to not wear that and then go to them and say, hey, man, that was kind of like, you probably ought to, You know, tone that down to the next person that ain't going to be able to handle it that way, and 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 they're loving you, and you're loving them by the way they receive that correction, and you're loving them by the way you give that correction. This is dangerous territory, ladies and gentlemen. That's why it's so paramount that we remember the why. We remember the why. Do others know we are a servant of Christ by the way that we act? Walk like an elder regardless if you are an appointed one or not. Walk like a leader. This call right here, this, hey, this is how leaders should act, that was open for any one of them. Everybody on the island, get up here and line up and let's look at your life. They wasn't saying, hey, let's get all the tall ones. Where's all the dudes at? Get all the dudes out here. Where's the ladies? Let's get everybody out here. Right? And then we're going we're gonna to pick teams. No, they said, hey, look at every man's life. Look at everybody's life. Does this what it looks like? That's an open invitation. The gospel is extremely exclusive and magnificently inclusive at the exact same time. Anybody can come, but there's only one way you can come. Any of y'all can come get this, what God has for you, but there's only one way you're going to do it, and that's his way. So if that's the case, then every one of us can live like leaders, regardless of if we're in a position of leadership. Worship team, you can come on out. The gospel changes us by changing the way that we think. That's actually the definition of the word repent. You've heard <laughs> repent, and you're like, I just got to stop doing that thing. That never works. How many times have you told yourself, I'm not going to do it again? not going to say that again. I'm going to stop doing that. And it never works. You do it again. You're like, oh, I did it again. I'm terrible. The definition of the word repent means to change the way that you think because your behavior follows your belief. When you change the way you think, you'll change the way you behave. And I'm not telling you guys to go out and be well-behaved citizens, okay? Uh, Hal, Hal reminded everybody on Thursday that I'm liable to cut somebody, okay? It's not very behaved. Peter cut somebody's ear off in the garden, had walked with Jesus for three years and still saw fit to carry a knife with him. Still saw He was like, Jesus, I love you. But if something pops off, I'm cutting one of these dudes. (laughs) Go read it. It literally happened. He's lucky he just got the ear. Jesus, chill. We don't act like that. But you look later on. Oh, I love this. Um, Ah. Peter ran down there like a young bull. He was like, let's go, let's kill them all. Take the kingdom. And then later on in life, he was like, say what you want. Don't even crucify me the same way you crucified him. He learned, he grew in wisdom. He said, crucify me upside down. He may have denied once, but he grew and he learned and he lived his life like a leader, regardless if he was one. He was crazy. He wasn't well-behaved. I'm not talking about being well-behaved. I'm talking about let the gospel change the way you think and your behavior will just respond. The way you live in this community, the way you operate at work, it just happens because that's who you are. Timothy Keller has a, had a quote on Facebook two days ago. He said, if our identity is in our work rather than Christ." success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. If identity is in our work rather than Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. This is what a healthy church looks like. Living like leaders in a world full of followers. Let's worship. If I could get the elders and those that are going to pray to come down. And if you have a need, if you, if you if you said, I wanted to step out earlier, but I was nervous. I didn't want to go down front. Now, worshiping, there's a lot of people down there. Where's well, your second chance? If you've got a need and you want to meet with God down here in these altars, we have elders. We have people that will pray for you. If you just want to come down here by yourself and, and talk to the Lord, whatever need you have, this altar space is open. It's not, we're just going to worship the Lord together.